When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We all know why you're here, but you're going to have to wait about <laughs> 90 minutes for that. Good afternoon, everybody. A good Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon. Thursday. Thursday afternoon to you all. Excuse me. Friday Eve. January 25th, 2024. This is the Southside Beat, as we are usually at 3 p.m. Eastern. But today, an hour early, as we prepare for the main event coming up <laughs> at 3.30. For those that are not aware yet, Ramon Foster, one half hour before his typical start time, 3.30 Eastern, will have Mason Rudolph on as a special guest. So you're not going to want to miss that. He's no. Alec. I'm Corey Christen on a I'm an, on a different laptop today, getting the uh, the work PC service today. So hopefully the quality, the camera quality isn't terrible, the mic quality isn't terrible. This is an old PC that I'm operating on. So doing the best we can today. But let's do this, Chris. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to save, clear the area for Mason and Ramon oh, yeah. later on, and we'll let those two talk about Mason Rudolph. We won't, we won't go into Mason Rudolph today. We'll let Mason Rudolph go into Mason Rudolph today. But I thought a good place for us to go to today would be Terrell Austin. And that is the reports that he will be back with the Steelers as the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. in 2024 and 2025. The reports, nothing confirmed by the team yet, that he is signing a two-year contract. Um, can't call it an extension, really, because... The contract did expire at the end of the season. So Terrell Austin coming back as the Steelers defensive coordinator. I wrote about it today. It's on DKPittsburghSports.com. But here we go. I think it's a good move. I think it's a move that kind of needed to happen in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it was fair to evaluate Terrell Austin's defense as a whole throughout the season. But I think at the end of the day, this is the best move. This is the best result for the Steelers is bringing Terrell Austin back. Yeah, I mean, there there definitely are, and as as the the, the headline or title of today's show, you know, positives outweighing negatives. I think there are more positives than negatives. I, I don't want to discount the fact that there definitely needs to be improvements schematically. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that I, I don't think that that's a. Um, I don't think that that can be, really be avoided, and and I think that's that's pretty obvious and fair at this point. Um, I do like, you know, one of the things that I really do like about Terrell Austin's defense is the way that they disguise some coverages. I think they do a pretty good job of doing that. Um, if they can get a little bit better up front in terms of disguising pressures and stuff like that up front, I think they would they would be a much better defense before the snap. 
you know, and then that, that in turn helps the rest of the players that you have. And obviously the, the Steelers better players are on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, even if you take Cam Hayward out of that discussion, given age, injury, whatever, you know, whatever have you, you have the best defensive player on the planet and TJ Watt. Uh, and then you have Minka Fitzpatrick, who, despite having a down year, is still one of the best safeties in the game. And so, and then you have a rookie of the year candidate and Joey Porter Jr. at cornerback. You've got you got a lot of good players on that defense. And uh, if they can get better at disguising some pressures and get a little bit better before the snap up front, I think that that's it, it's not a it's not a um, it's not out of the realm of possibility and, and the Steelers are definitely much better off on the defensive side schematically than they were on the offensive side. And we'll get to offensive stuff here in a second since there, there is an, a formal candidate now mm-hmm. uh, for the offensive coordinator job, but yeah, Tara Lawson coming back. I do find it interesting that it was a two year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, coordinators typically get three years. Now, I don't know if that's like the Steelers just changing their, their philosophy on that. They're just, you know, now it's just not an automatic three-year deal, or maybe it's just we aren't comfortable giving three years right now. We kind of only want to go with two. Right. And uh, Mark brings it up here. Tara Lawson's a master strategist in the secondary. I mean, yeah. look at Joey Porter Jr.'s development over the course of the season. Everybody was screaming from the mountaintops week one, start Joey Porter Jr. And they took their time with him and it paid off. And he mm-hmm. turned into a really good shutdown cornerback. And then they had to go without three starting safeties at many points this season. Obviously, DeMonte KZ getting suspended for, you know, the final three games of the year. Keanu Neal missing significant time with injury. Mika Fitzpatrick missing time with injury, playing with a broken hand. And then literally the finding of Eric Rowe, you know, finding a guy that was off the couch, that was off of, you know, practice squads, has been a Super Bowl champion before, and making something out of Eric Rowe. Like, I think there's a lot to be said about what Terrell Austin did in that secondary, and then moving to Pat, P, moving Pat P to safety, I think worked. Yeah, you know, say what you want about Levi Wallace, and say what you want about James Pierre, but I think by and large, the secondary had a, a really a relatively decent year, all things considered. And mm-hmm. look, like it, you know, B Phil brings it up here. It will help not playing two thirds of the season and not being so injured. I mean, attrition you can, was a huge part of it. Yeah, you could apply that to every really level of the defense, whether yeah. it was Cam Hayward. And then the middle linebackers, obviously, and the safeties, mm-hmm. obviously. So, look, I, I think that, and I wrote about this in some way. Number one, you don't want to have to search for two coordinators when you really don't have to. I don't think the Steelers really had to get rid of Terrell Austin. I don't think they had to do that. Because I think, again, the positives did outweigh the negatives. Yeah. Number two, I don't think you want to have two coordinator searches going on at the same time when you're a team that is very clear and intent on trying to win now. And yeah. I love the point here that Mark brings up about Mike Tomlin. Does this mean that Mike Tomlin's extension would be two years also? What do you all think? So Mike Tomlin has one year left next year. And who's to say that maybe he doesn't re-sign a one-year deal or he doesn't re-sign a two-year deal? I think some of what Mike Tomlin could potentially sign for, being that an extension is on the way, this is directly via Art Rooney, Mm -hmm. he could sign for an extra year, two extra years. I think some of that will depend on who the offensive coordinator is and how long he gets on his contract. So that, I think that's a distinct possibility is that Mike Tomlin and Terrell Austin could see this thing through together. And that maybe could be some explanation to the two year contract for Austin. Yeah. I mean, well, a two year extension for Tomlin would actually make it three more years of Tomlin. Correct. So Correct. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think, and, and I, I highly doubt 
very highly doubt they would extend Tomlin for just an additional year. So I don't think that those two contracts are going to be married with each other. Right. Um, Darren, uh, just for verification, or for just for verification purposes, Darren uh, said Austin has the DB background. Curry, the linebackers, drawing a blanket who the D line coaches. Um, it's Carl Dunbar, and then uh, Denzel Martin coaches the outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. So those are like in terms of like up front. You know, since since outside linebackers are edge edge defenders in today's NFL, that that matters. You know, when it comes to playing up front, so your two coaches up front are Carl Dunbar for the guys on the inside, and then the edge guys are coached by Denzel Martin. And there's a lot of love for Carl Dunbar inside of that building, and Martin, and and and, and Denzel Martin, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not going to make this a stretch to say this, and I don't think it's a stretch to say this. Yep. If it weren't for Carl Dunbar. Who knows, like like TJ Watt talked about publicly about his desire to play for Mike Tomlin as being a major reason why he extended. But Carl Dunbar is kind of the nucleus with all these Wisconsin guys. Yeah. There's a big thread. There's a big connection there with all of these Wisconsin guys and Carl Dunbar. I wrote about it, actually. If you want to go back to over the summer, I wrote about this when I talked about Keanu Benton and bringing him in and his more specific, you know, with the Wisconsin connection, tying in Nick Herbig. There's a big connection there to be had with Carl Dunbar and Carl Dunbar and Mike and Mike Tomlin have a long history together dating back Mm -hmm. to their time, I believe, with the Vikings together. Mm -hmm. So Dunbar seasoned veteran has really good connections. I I think that Dunbar is a really solid position coach. Aaron Curry, I thought, did a phenomenal job with the inside linebackers. They love Denzel Martin with the outside backers. Mm -hmm. And I think Grady Brown quite frankly, has defensive coordinator potential within him. He does. I, I, uh, think, I think that's there. So I'm really comfortable with the defensive staff. Now mm-hmm. they're going to have to replace a couple of assistants. Uh, we just saw one leave, obviously. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But one, but, uh, one guy who I saw, that. who I saw floated out there for as a, as a, as a, not, not like a, like, Oh, there might, this might be happening, but just kind of like, this would be a cool, like deserving candidate to kind of fill the Gerald Alexander uh, role. Um, former Steelers safety Mike Mitchell, who has too. been who has been coaching with the with the Colts as a, as an assistant defensive backs coach, and so um, yeah, I, I think that would be I think that's that, that'd be interesting too. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I obviously did not float that one out there, but interesting, interesting. You know that that he came up. You know, former Steeler understand you know, has played for Mike Tomlin, understands Mike Tomlin's philosophies on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Joey Porter you know, had some success as a coach, wasn't a great coach, but still, you know, lasted a few years under Tomlin. And so I I actually think Mike Mitchell might, might be a little bit better of a coach. Typically the guys not saying this is not taking anything away from who Mike Mitchell was as a player, because he was a pretty good safety. Um, Typically the players that were really good don't turn into really good coaches. And typically mm-hmm. the players that were either like okay or even just not good players turn into really good coaches. That's not a that's not a you know, obviously, for instance, in every single time, you know, you know, there are obviously some players who are great and then can turn into good coaches, but it just just an observation that it, that might be an interesting, interesting ad. Um, I like this comment from Miltank's uncle at the end of it. We have a great defensive staff, no need to shake it up now, and I get bringing back TA. That's yeah. A big point of it. Put it this way, okay? The Steelers need to make changes on the offensive staff. Obviously, the offensive coordinator, it's it's very evident that it's going to be the quarterback's coach as well. But they need, need is the key word, to make changes on the offensive side of the ball because it is not good. There are many positives to point out about the defensive side of the ball, even despite 
TJ Watts injury for the postseason and Cam Hayward and the inside linebackers and the safeties, all of that stuff being said, the Steelers were still six to the NFL in points allowed per game. That is an amazing accomplishment. That's a big credit to Terrell Austin. Now, mm -hmm. I think there's things that Terrell Austin can clean up. That being, I think number one for me is blitz packages and some of the zone stuff that they do. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that's personnel related. You know, uh, I think Teresa was mentioned it here. If the Steelers aren't going to use Minka in a way maximizing his strengths, don't you think it'd be better to trade him? Mm -hmm. I think they couldn't use Minka to his strengths this year because they were running out of bodies. They had to play Minka Fitzpatrick, who can play anywhere on the field. They had to put him everywhere on the field, if that yeah. makes sense. Because at times, you know, when Quan Alexander, Cole Holcomb go down in separate games for lengthy amounts of time, they have to move Minka into the box more. When yeah. when Patrick Peterson has to move to safety, you're going to put Minka at corner some more. Like, I just think that Minka's season this year was an anomaly. I, I don't read too much into Minka having the kind of season that he did. He, he obviously also battled injuries. I'm a little surprised to see that he made the Pro Bowl, but that's besides the point. Like, I think Minka's season... It's really can't be read too into too much. What's that? It's the Pro Bowl. It's fan voting. I man. get that, but still, the I Pro Bowl that. is not. It's not. I mean, it is. It is, and this is nothing. This is not a shot at fans or anything like that. But the the prestige of the Pro Bowl has gone down and down. And I mean, it's it's a first off. It's the worst All Star game in all four major sports. Yeah. Um, by far too. Like it's not even close. And uh, yeah, it's it, the, just. All pro is where you it was where the, the, the truly real like the, the great players in this game that's where they get recognized. Pro Bowl does I mean come on, Tyler Huntley was a pro bowler last year. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to the offensive side of the ball. And, and I think the, the title of the show again, positives outweighing negatives. That talks about Terrell Austin. But I think one would look at the prospect the Steelers are looking at for offensive coordinator and easily say the negatives are outweighing the positive. This being Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, I guess you could say interim offensive coordinator mm -hmm. for the Panthers who was interviewed by the Steelers. That was confirmed yesterday. Real quick, Joshua Dobbs says, if we're sticking with Kenny, I'd be contacting Mark Whipple. No, 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 no way. No college guys, no, no connections way. to Kenny. No, don't do it. No, they can't do that. They're not going to do that. But all right, let's talk about Thomas Brown prospective hire right a guy that has been interviewed the first interview that has been confirmed by the pittsburgh steelers for the offensive coordinator position swan 269 asked you chris and you wrote about you wrote about candidates in your chalk talk the other day yeah so you've obviously you know also been in tune with this and, and swan asked you what are the concerns about browns from the, brown from the panthers if any i think everybody again would red flag this because the panthers offense sucked last year and bryce young did not develop into anything like, there's no positives to look at from the Panthers' offense, but is there any positive to take from Thomas Brown yeah. as a prospective candidate? No, I, I don't take anything. So I there was a lot of pushback. Uh, like, when we put this in the feed, uh, there was a lot of pushback. Lots of people, um, I mean, Mark, Mark kind of represents it here. Forget about anything coming from Carolina. Uh, I'm excited about the dude from LA. Like that's pretty much it. It's like, Oh, so, okay. You're excited about the dude from LA. That's Zach Robinson, you know, but again, it's been reported that the Steelers have requested uh, an interview with him. He's not a formal candidate yet. Correct. You know, once the Steelers interview him, then he'll be a formal candidate. Um, the thing with Thomas Brown is like, listen, yes. Like if you look at just Carolina, 
yeah, that's not a that's not an interesting candidate. But you have to look at full body of work when you look at potential candidates. The three prior seasons that like before he became offensive coordinator of the Panthers, he worked under Sean McVay. He was running backs coach for two for first two for those first two seasons. Then in years two and three, he became assistant head coach. And then in year three also became tight ends coach on top of that. Mm-hmm. So two years of assistant head coach under Sean McVay, three total years under Sean McVay in that offense, knows that offense coming from that system, coming from that coaching tree. That is what's interesting to me. Now, is this a slam dunk hire, in my opinion, on the surface? No, it's not. But is it an interesting candidate that you can at least bring in? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, shoot, like, okay, let's let's look at all the possibilities here. Mike, this, this, um, <laughs> Rick says Emmett Brown. Um, Emmett Brown, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, and, and Spice, you know, kind of makes a good point here. He wasn't running Frank Reich's offense, uh, not the offense he's used to running. Um, and, and also, Beefill brings this up. Carolina is dysfunctional because of their Ooh. owner, but they're, regardless, they're a dif- dysfunctional franchise. It's the worst run franchise in football. Like, Asking, expecting Thomas Brown to to do anything with literally nothing on offense. And even Bryce Young is kind of like, I'm not so sure, but still like literally nothing else on offense. Like he's not a miracle worker. Nobody can do anything with that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I part of the interview process is not also or it's not bringing in guys just to like see if they're a possible candidate for offensive coordinator. Yes. That's the job they're interviewing for. But if you learn enough from them where you might choose someone else, say possibly Zach Robinson, but then they're like, you know what? Maybe things aren't, maybe Eddie Faulkner wants to move on. So they might approach Thomas Brown. Hey, maybe you want to be our running backs coach or maybe you want you know, just whatever else. Like there's a, there's other possibilities and that's also can work out for another, a new quarterbacks coach as well. So absolutely bring him in learn some stuff he's a young coach yeah he's from the mcveigh tree it's not a waste of time uh, no. at all do i think he's the leading candidate based on if of based off of formal candidates plus reported candidates no but it's not a waste of time it's not one of those things where i'd be more interested in thomas brown over cliff kingsbury i'll put it that way okay i have two theories right here number one and this one might be a little like Maybe overthinking in a way. The two two of the names, two of the three names that have been at least linked to either be requested for or actually interviewed for this job mm-hmm. are Zach Robinson and Thomas Brown, both McVeigh guys. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that Mike Tomlin slash Art Rooney slash Omar Khan, whoever, saw the dynamic between Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan last year as as co-coordinators, so to speak? And maybe wants to run that concept back. No, I don't. But see that I, I'm just saying, what are the odds of that being a thing? And then very, you have two small. guys, but then you have two guys that came from the McVeigh tree, being Brown and Robinson. Robinson obviously has quarterback experience, and those two guys commandeer the ship together. That's that's just theory. Number two, and I think this is way, way down here. This is due diligence until Clint Kubiak is available. On yeah. some level, that's that's, I think, a fair thing to say is that this is due diligence until Clint Kubiak, until the 49ers lose. Yeah. And well, if you're a Steelers whatever. fan, obviously root for the 49ers to lose this weekend. Right. So if the 49ers lose this weekend 
or even if the Lions lose, you know, maybe they look at somebody from the Lions. That's possible. But if the 49ers lose on Monday, I mean, we could be hearing Clint Kubiak's name being, you know, requested or anything like that. So those are the two things that that speak to me, at least as far as the tone of the Steelers offensive coordinator search so far. Given it's been almost almost a week and a half now that they've lost that playoff game. You know, obviously they're going to take the week to analyze things, but we're into Thursday now of the week after, and there's only been one interview and two other guys that have been requested or this have is... been talking to the Steelers about yeah, it. So yeah. that's just that's just me reading into what we know right now. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is going to be a, a very slow process. Do not there are the Steelers are not the only team that that are looking for an offensive coordinator right now, that's and I can tell you right now that the Steelers are not the only team that is interested in possibly interviewing Clint Kubiak. No. So he's going to be one of the hottest commodities once he's available for interviews. He's not available for interviews right now because the 49ers are still playing football. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just be real about that. So don't expect any. So if this is a slow moving process, it, it's going to be that. So just prepare yourselves for that. Don't expect the Steelers to have anybody hired by, by Monday. Um, Even if the 49ers lose on Sunday, that inner again, Kubiak is gonna <laughs> he's gonna be sought after, right? right? He's gonna go on multiple interviews. Um, I I I don't I don't think the Steelers are at all going for any kind of co-offensive coordinator type situation. I think that they are, and honestly, it, the right way to go is to go with what the league is doing. Find a guy who wants to come in, who wants to really build an offense and have it be his offense. I think Mike Tomlin is there. I think like regardless of people saying, oh, Mike Tomlin wants to have control over this, like, no, Mike Tomlin is way more control, way more focused on controlling the defensive side of the ball. Right. I really think he wants to be able to give to find an offensive coordinator who he can trust, who knows how to win, who knows how to score points in the in the NFL in 2024 and say, take it. It's yours. Now, obviously, it's going to fit under the umbrella of the style of football that Mike Tomlin wants to play. But I think he's also using this interview process as a way to learn and adjust his style of coaching as well. So Mike Tomlin's smart enough to know it's happened over the course of how how he's coached his defenses. He's smart enough to know you have to adapt in this game or, or you will die off. Yep. You just will. And Mike Tomlin is smart enough to know that. And I think he's starting to really realize that on the offensive side of the ball that, listen, we can't keep doing these Randy Fickner's Matt Canada stuff anymore. It's got to be a new guy who understands, who understands new concepts that work in this NFL. Mm -hmm. And going with code coordinators is not a way to do that. Uh, Mark brings up Jim Harbaugh, and I'm glad you did because I was going to mention that too. Uh, Jim Harbaugh going to LA, shakes the AFC up. That's what Mark uh, says here. Not only that, but also – the Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, being hired by the Titans. That also shakes things up. So mm-hmm. effectively, the Bengals now have an offensive coordinator opening that they need to find. Oh, they just filled it. Well, they just filled it. Well, that that's so. what that created is what it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers opens up Kellen Moore for, for other teams. Yep. And today, these are just reports that the Eagles and the Browns were looking into Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So I wonder how that's going to work. If like, for instance, if Kellen Moore is hired in Cleveland and like how that would work under Stavansky, that'd be interesting. Well, I mean, maybe in the same dynamic that Van Pelt ha- that Van Pelt worked with Stefanski or similar. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's always interesting to me, you know, when the head coach is more of an offensive minded guy, it's always interesting how that dynamic will work. 
because you obviously have had coaches who are play callers, like yeah. you know, Shan- you know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, like those guys, like that they, they they're running the show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's interesting. And you would think that the next guy the Steelers hire could be a guy that is rising, could be a guy that is, you know. I don't want to say going to become a Tomlin disciple by any stretch, but as a guy that has longevity in this league left in front of him and that Mm -hmm. the Steelers being coming the Steelers offensive coordinator is not the end of the road for this person. I think that that's a, you know, when you talk about legitimate change that the Steelers need to make in that Mike Tomlin talked about in making change, interviewing Thomas Brown is a change. Getting yes. Zach Robinson in the building is change. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury is less of change than those two would be. This is this is the type of thing, and I think I've said it before here. This is the type of thing where Mike Tomlin needs to zag when everybody expects him to zig. As Steeler Girl 808 says here, we need young and modern. Young and modern would be change. Young and modern would be something way different than what Mike yep. Tomlin has done before. Mm-hmm. So... Thomas Brown, if that's considered young and modern and different and change, then okay, let's see this through. I don't think he's going to become the next Steelers offensive coordinator, but I'm glad they brought him in the building for an interview. So we'll see what happens. There's going to be a lot more developments as, of course, next week comes along. Too, I've got, another, I've got the conference championships. I've got another thought, and 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 maybe I'll end up going into a lot more a lot more in depth than this on, on in a in a column. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Um, this offensive coordinator search is an opportunity. You know, when we talk about like the McVeigh tree and the Shanahan tree and the Tomlin tree, and, and I understand people who Tomlin didn't have a tree, but I'm just saying, like, when just thinking about that dynamic, this hire could be a, a, um, a really good way to start off a chain reaction for the Steelers because if they can nail this coordinator hire and it's Kubiak or Robinson or whoever. And this is a guy who will eventually in two or three years become a head coaching candidate. And I think it's one of the reasons why Tomlin's been so reserved to want to get one of these guys because he knows he's going to have to replace him in two or three years, especially if it's a slam dunk hire. But the thing is, is that if you can hire so on, you know, the, you know, person a, and it's a, it's an off awesome offensive coordinator. And then also bring in another guy who's kind of young, who can kind of also learn under that guy for during that time, you've got somebody else who can step in and replace them. Mm-hmm. And then that guy can bring in somebody he knows and you can bring somebody in and replace them. So it's not a Tomlin tree per se, if they're coming from the Shanahan tree or the McVeigh tree, but it's a way to foster the, the passing of the baton from that style of offense through the Steelers themselves. And so I think it's uh, I, I think it's an interesting way to look at this hire being so important because it can set the Steelers up, even if it's a guy who won't be with the Steelers in three years, because he, because it, like I said, if they, you know, get a slam dunk on this hire and he's gone as uh, taking a head coaching job in three years, they can possibly bring in a guy who can also, you know, again, again, take the baton, be the next guy, next guy up. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I think that's just an interesting way to look at this hire as well. All right, one more comment here. Chris uh, Cushman says, how long will it take to hire, an OC, to hire an OC? Not long. It'll take weeks before the end of February, certainly. Yeah, before the combine, for sure. Yeah, before the end of February, certainly. Um, and then Hodge here. Uh, let's wrap the show with this. I hope all Tomlin haters take time to listen to yesterday's Ramon Foster show. Alejandro Villanueva gives an assessment nobody could ever argue with. And 
Hodge brings it up there. Yesterday, if you haven't seen it yet or listened to it yet, Ramon had Alejandro Villanueva on the Ramon Foster show yesterday on Wednesday. You're going to want to check that out because in one hour from right now, on the same place you found this, on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube, Ramon Foster will be joined by one Mason Rudolph. You're not going to want to miss that. We're clearing the stage. We're clearing the area. We're getting out. We're vacating. You all, we hope, stay for it. It comes in one hour time, live at 3.30 Eastern, right here where you found this. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear that. I can't yeah. wait to hear Ramon chop it up with Mason. I know those two have a good relationship and um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited uh, to watch that. And yeah, if you did not watch uh, yesterday's uh, um, interview with uh, Alejandro, uh, Al Villanueva, man, that was, uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, it, it's always good to see Ramon, you know, talk with, you know, guys who, you know, he obviously spent time with whenever he was wearing a Steelers uniform and uh, um, yeah, that was, that was really cool to watch for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think that today's yeah, if there's a way to possibly upstage it, it's it's today with Mason Rudolph, and uh, I, I, I'm excited to watch that. Uh, I know I know the, those guys are going to kill it. So um, mm-hmm. there's uh, just one final thought here. Good. Um, Steeler girl brought this up earlier in the show. She said it's worrisome that so many other teams need offensive coordinators. I think that this is part. If you look at what happened throughout the league. Um, this past year, a lot of offenses struggled, even some of the better ones. I mean, look, I mean, shoot, I was a, I was a Patrick Mahomes owner in fantasy football. Believe me, I felt that. Okay. Um, you know, when you look at offenses throughout the league, it was just kind of down and defenses are starting to get a lot smarter. They're starting to find better ways to disguise coverages, to mix up coverages, to, to defend what, the the best offenses in the league are doing. And that's why even guys who have such great offenses and great systems like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and those guys, they're having to adapt their offenses and evolve their offenses. They have to, because again, this league, it, we start thinking of it as offenses so far ahead of defense. Well, defense is starting to catch up a little bit. And that's why I think so many teams are trying to figure out what's the right formula, what's the right answer here. And so they might be willing to move on from an offensive coordinator that wasn't too bad, but they're like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna figure out what defenses are doing if with this guy there. So they're trying to find somebody else. So it's just interesting that the Steelers are not the only ones who struggle with offense this past year. All right, it's kind of across the league, and it's. It unfortunately makes this hire a little bit more difficult because there are so many other teams looking for OCs. I think another part of that is because with this like sweeping trend of quarterbacks, right? Like think like five years ago, like when Allen and Mahomes were drafted, for example, mm-hmm. you know, those guys develop and teams start overcompensating, so to speak, by drafting defense and by and by spending high grade picks on defense and by building around like okay, think of the Jets, for example, okay. Like, for as bad as their offense might have been, of course, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers this year. They still had a really good defense. Mm -hmm. The Jets are built to stop Josh Allen. And the Steelers are built to stop Lamar Jackson. And Mm -hmm. the Ravens are built to stop Kenny Pickett. Like, some of these defenses are just compensating for the overall influx of talent that has come in over the offensive side of the ball in recent memory. So, Mm -hmm. the NFL's cyclical. Sometimes it's a defense league. Sometimes it's an offense league. It's very much an offense league. Um, and let's let's end with this here from Brian. When does the Ramon Foster show start today? 
in one hour, 3.30 Eastern, right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Ramon Foster will be joined by Mason Rudolph at 3.30. You're not going to want to miss that. And in case you missed it yesterday, we'll give you a little buffer right here. Giving you an hour buffer today. (laughs) Ramon had Alejandro Villanueva on yesterday. Check that out on replay right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. We'll, won't have time to watch the entire thing between now and, and now and no, but now. you can get started at least. Yeah, uh, yeah. Either here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube or where podcasts are found, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. In 59 minutes now, Ramon will be joined by Mason Rudolph. Check that out. Please remember to like, share, subscribe. We appreciate you all. We'll be back for a football Friday tomorrow to talk some divisional uh, results in some conference championship. There you go. Mark. That's what I, that's what I was laughing at earlier. By the way, yeah. I saw that comic come across. Chris's Tony Romo impression. Tony. Oh, Tony Jim. Impression. Well, you're gonna get more of that for the AFC championship too. And this Sunday, the Super Bowl. So get ready for that. And the Super Bowl. So and get ready for the that. Super Bowl. We'll be back tomorrow oh, to break Jim. down. We'll be back. That we'll be back tomorrow to break down some division, of course, results and some conference championships Sunday. We'll, we'll we'll break that down tomorrow. He's Chris. I'm Corey. This has been the Southside Beat. Mason Rudolph, coming up in 58 minutes. Stay tuned for that. Talk to you all tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.